Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, providing navigation services for clients with serious mental illness and chronic physical health conditions. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on August 28, 2017. This webinar is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to ensuring beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations in care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. In this podcast, Dr. Lori Carrier, Medical Director at Heartland Health Centers and Assistant Professor at Northwestern University, discusses navigating care for clients with SMI and physical health conditions. It's important that the care team, including patient navigators, have resources that support them in understanding standards of care for chronic health conditions in clients with SMI, and uh, that they can address the psychological and social needs in addition to the physical needs. Also important um, is to be able to notify and engage clinical staff when specific warning signs occur, as Kim mentioned in the sheets. Um, We'll talk about this a little bit more in diabetes. Next slide. Navigators can be particularly helpful in linking patients to the resources that will contribute to success in getting chronic conditions under control. This may include helping to shop for food, prepare meals, get necessary equipment such as scales and heart failure, glucometers and diabetes. It can also help in linking to exercise, complementary medicine, and educational groups for added support. Without access to the appropriate food and prep space, all the medications in the world will not help somebody's diabetes, and without electricity, a nebulizer for an asthmatic is, is useless. Navigators can be essential in helping the SMI population, ensuring these necessary services are available for them. Next slide. Um, In order to describe clinical utilization of navigation services, um, we decided to focus on two conditions that greatly affect the SMI population and actually contribute negatively to the other chronic conditions commonly affecting the SMI population. So today, um, as I mentioned, we're going to focus on tobacco and diabetes. So we'll start with smoking cessation. Next slide, please. What we do know. So smoking is prevalent in the U.S. with 44 million Americans currently smoking. When you ask them, 70% of smokers will say they're interested in quitting, but we know that only one-third actually consult a healthcare provider about quitting. If they do mention their interest to a provider, only one-third actually walk away with a prescription for pharmacotherapy, and 15% might be handed materials or offered um, counseling. Um, We also know that without any external support, even people who really are motivated to quit will only be successful about 5% of the time. Next slide, please. Clients um, with SMI represent 44% of all smokers and have dependence rates up to three times that of the general population. They also suffer greater smoking-related medical illnesses and mortality. Um, with smoking contributing to at least 50% of the deaths in these three common psychiatric conditions listed here. Next slide, please. There are a lot of theories on why the smoking rates are so high within the SMI population. 
Um, these include biological predispositions, psychological, and social reasons. But there's also research that shows that providers place quitting as a lower priority sometimes for a patient with SMI. Perhaps there's concern about exacerbating psychiatric symptoms, or if a patient does exhibit psychiatric symptoms, um, preventative care measures are often taken a backseat. But what we do know is that there's sometimes baseline psychiatric symptoms that will always be present. So we can't use that as an excuse not to talk about smoking cessation or other preventative care measures. Next slide, please. What we do know is that people with SMI actually want to quit as much as the general population and can successfully do so. While they do smoke at higher rates than the general population, their quit rates are actually quite close to that of the general population. With additional support and resources in place, um, they can be quite successful. And this is really where navigation support can be critical. Next slide, please. As um, Kim referenced on the tip sheet, the five A's for treating tobacco, um, these are the five A's. Um, we expect our providers to actually do the first three at every visit. And by providers, I mean family physicians and our family providers as well as the psychiatric providers. Um, no matter what the chief complaint is that day or despite a client's current psychiatric symptoms, we do want to ask, advise, and assess. When we find somebody who is ready, we'll work with the health navigators on the last two A's. TJ will talk a little bit more about this later on. Next slide, please. We know a two-step approach is the most successful of all to smoking cessation. Medications help with the physical addiction, and counseling and therapy are essential to help with the behavior change and psychological dependence. Next slide, please. So what works? And this really can be done and reiterated by anybody working with the client. You, you really want all team members to be on board. You want to provide an empathic environment, set a quit date ideally in about two to three weeks, and encourage um, clients to share that date with the folks around them so they can be supportive. You want to review past attempts, what worked, what didn't, anticipate triggers or challenges in the attempt. Be culturally appropriate, reflecting racial, ethnic groups, cultural values. If a patient is not ready to quit, help the patient with smoking reduction goal. Harm reduction goes a long way, and if you can even reduce by a couple of cigarettes, then the next attempt for a quit might, is going to be that much easier. Um, also, it's important for a navigator to let a provider know if your client does successfully quit or cut down or cuts down considerably on their tobacco use as it can affect the level of medication in the patient's systems. And so medication doses may need to be adjusted accordingly. Next slide, please. Um, this slide is just to quickly note that research has shown different outcomes with different treatments for different mental illnesses. So we can't treat every patient the same, and it will most likely take a combination of pharmacological agents in conjunction with therapy um, to have the greatest success. Next slide. This graph shows the importance of bringing in the troops when it comes to quitting tobacco use. Unassisted, we're at about 5% chance, while with maximum assist, this can be as high as 50%. And don't forget, it's okay to try and try again. We say a relapse is not a setback, but just one step closer to a successful cessation. Next slide, please. So uh, next, you can go on to the next slide. We're going to talk about diabetes now. Um, so these are just some basic, um, general basics about diabetes. It's a disease that affects how the body uses sugar, um, also known as glucose, one of the main energy sources. In type 2 diabetes, which is what we'll focus on today, insulin, which is a hormone in the body, does not work well or too little exists. And when glucose can no longer enter into the cells from the bloodstream, glucose levels can get too high. This can then cause serious damage to other parts of the body, including the heart, kidneys, eyes, and the nerves. Next slide, please. 
Um, so what are the risk factors for type 2 diabetes? Well, being overweight is number one, but risk increases if you all have any of the following, diabetes in the family member, certain races and ethnicities, Native Americans, Hispanics, African Americans, and Asian Americans are all at increased risk. Also, if there's a history of gestational diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, vascular disease, or inactive lifestyle, um, there's also all risk factors. And then finally, um, unfortunately, anybody over the age of 45 is also at increased risk. Now, it's important to note that the medications we use to treat mental illness, particularly the class of medications known as the atypical antipsychotics, do increase the risk of developing type 2 diabetes. There's a lot of theories on why this is. One, one obvious reason is because we know it contributes to weight gain or can, but actually in 25% of cases, weight gain is not present, but type 2 diabetes can still develop. So there are actually several factors at play. Next slide, please. While occasionally diabetes can be controlled with diet alone, medications are often an important part of treatment, but also have side effects, can require regular glucose monitoring, and in the case of glucose-lowering agents, such as insulin, can be really high risk. It's always important to have a lot of support and education around these medications. Next slide, please. Um, this is just a slide to show some uh, examples of different agents. While there are some where daily glucose monitoring is not essential, such as metformin, for the others that do lower glucose, it's important to have a stable, reliable diet. And in the event of illness or increased exercise, very difficult uh, to manage without significant navigation services and support. So you can imagine a new, um, you know, a patient who's recently become homeless, their diet's going to change, their exercise levels are going to change, and so it could absolutely affect um, their medication regimen. Next slide, please. Just as essential as medications are the non-pharmacological treatments. Um, this can include diet, as we just spoke about, exercise, um, treatment of comorbid conditions, so foot changes, dilated eye exam, um, smoking cessation support, very helpful. Um, and then immunizations, there are um, also particular to being a diabetic. And here is where health navigators can also be particularly impactful. Next slide, please. So there are some red flags that navigators should alert providers or the clinical care team to. Um, these include significant changes or trends in the glucose levels checked at home, so either, whether they're rising or decreasing. Uh, as Kim uh, mentioned when she was talking about tip sheets, a fruity smell in the breath alone or in conjunction with disoriented behavior or a change in mental status is a medical emergency for a diabetic. Um, clients should be encouraged to share with their provider increased urination or thirst, weight loss or fatigue, as these can all be signs of worsening diabetes or underlying illness. Next slide, please. Um, other things to be aware of, diabetics are at higher risk for heart attacks because they are at risk for peripheral neuropathy or numbness in the feet. They might not even be aware or feel a foot ulcer, so navigators can help to look out for these and make providers aware if they occur. And finally, patients with diabetes are at a greater risk for depression. This also applies to a patient who has another mental illness already, such as schizophrenia. And if depression is not addressed, it will be very hard to successfully treat the diabetes. 